But this morning, we looked in 2 Corinthians 11, verses 23 through 32, and we saw that the Apostle Paul suffered quite a bit. I mean, uh, he suffered much. We also spoke of Job as well. And, and then we looked at those false uh, pastors. We, we told you in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 13 through 15, how that they... Uh, these preachers, Satan, you know, he's an angel of light. And sometimes those that are preachers, those ministers are angels of light. By that he means they are ones that parade that way. They seem to be that way. So, oh, these are good people. But man, they're bringing in false doctrine. They're leading you in a different way. They're just uh, doing things that uh, uh, lead people astray. And so, I'm, I'm going to be looking now, carrying it on forward in chapter 12 tonight. Now, uh, we did conclude today, you must have a belief to die is gain. Now, gain is not the same as to die is escape. Some people commit suicide to escape, only to realize one second to eternity, it's only worse. If they were saved, they're ashamed before Him. If they were unsaved, they're immediately in hell, and nothing they suffered on earth will be like that is for them. Suicide never, never, never ends it all. You've got that spirit, and that spirit is going to live forever somewhere. But a Christian, when he dies, it is gain. Uh, especially if he's living for the Lord and serving the Lord. And we've got to believe that. Uh, our goal is to be part of the unashamed, especially at his appearing. We don't want to be those that are ashamed, but we want to be those that have confidence at his appearing. So, that's the idea that's there. So going into this 12th chapter now, we begin to see something here with, with Paul. He says, <clears throat> it, is not expedient, it is not expedient for me doubtless to glory. I will come to visions and revelations of the Lord. I knew a man in Christ above 14 years ago. Now, whether in the body I cannot tell, or whether out of the body I cannot tell, God knoweth. Such a one caught up into the third heaven. And I knew such a man, whether in the body or out of the body, I cannot tell. God knoweth. And some people ask, what is the third heaven? I believe that's right now the place where spirits of those that have departed in Christ abide. And it was a great thing. There are angels there too with them. And angels also appear before God. They carry out uh, work that the Lord has given them to do. You might say those various things that he, he, the Lord sends them on. That's one of their joys. But they also dwell among the saints. As a matter of fact, anytime somebody <laughs> gets right with God, it tells us there's rejoicing in the presence of the angels. A lot of people say, boy, the angels really get happy when that guy got saved. And maybe they do. But it's in the presence of the angels. That's the people of God that are there. <laughs> They're excited when they hear that. You know, uh, the Catholic Church, they pray to saints. Or they think they're praying to saints, they're actually praying to the air. 
Uh, it's only the Lord's going to hear prayers. But, if I want to affect one of my loved ones that have gone on to be at the Lord, lead a soul to Christ, somebody gets saved, boy, that gets reported right away. And they are rejoicing in the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So again, that's the way we want to be. Now, looking again here at our text, he's been caught up into the third heaven. And <clears throat> he said that was 14 years earlier. And he doesn't even know if it was in the body or out of the body. He could not tell. He just said God knows. One caught up into the third heaven. Now, there are some things that only God knows. Uh, Brother Banfi and I was talking this evening before the church services, talked about the uh, uh, internet ministry, how it got started and so forth here. And, and I thought, boy, one day it would be a blessing if we could get 2,000 downloads in one month. Just thought that was something that's way out there. I don't know if that'll ever happen, but boy, that would be neat if that happened. And now we get depressed almost when there's 2,000 in one month because that means we really had a fall. Because this month we had over 4,000. And, and uh, how did we do that? We didn't, God did, because we have no idea how that happens. I mean, there's Brother Mark Hopper. This guy helped develop the email system the military uses that we use every day. That guy knows a lot. But how that happens, he doesn't know, except the Lord does it. Okay, the Lord does it. We don't call people around the world. I think this past month, if I remember correctly, besides all 50 states, I think there was something like about 48 to 50 foreign countries that we were downloaded in. That's what God does. Now, here's Paul, the apostle, man of God, one that the Holy Ghost breathes out Scripture to. And he says, whether in the body or out of the body, I, I can't tell, but God knows. But he was there. He knows that much. He says how they was caught up into paradise. And he heard unspeakable words, which is not lawful for a man to utter. Some people believe that there is a heavenly language. And if so, then it's not lawful to utter it on earth. Now, people speak in tongues. They're doing it here. It's not lawful for them to do it on earth. Okay, if there was such a thing, if there's such a thing, it's not lawful for them. In other words, to speak in tongues would be to sin because it says it's not lawful for them to do it on earth. I didn't say that. The Bible did. Now, you've got to either agree with the Bible or disagree with it. Now, that angel of light we spoke of this morning that is not a true angel of light, Satan, he could lead people to speak this way. That they do that in many different religions. Uh, Hinduism does it. There's some of those... Uh, tribes they went to in the Amazon and other places where they found they were they actually spoke in these tongues they didn't know what they were saying but they felt like that some God took over them and and they spake that way so again unspeakable words which is not lawful for a man to utter of such a one will I glory yet of myself I will not glory but in mine infirmities I mean in his infirmities that's what he glories in now, you get my age, we get together, the seniors get together, and uh, we compare notes on our infirmities. Now, mine was worse than yours, you know. Uh, and we talk about the test we had, what was your reading, you know. And 
How did you do? You know, all these things. We, we, we go through those things. Uh, well, we've got something to say, but actually the truth is we don't glory in them. Sometimes we want people to feel sorry for us, but uh, the truth of the matter is, uh, he says, I'll glory in my infirmities. For though I would desire to glory, I shall not be a fool. For I will say the truth. But now I forbear, lest any man should think of me above that which he seeth me to be, that he heareth of me. What's he saying there? It's not about us. It's about Christ. And if I make my life about me instead of about Christ, I'm a failure. A total failure. It's the one who saved us of whom it's about. Let's have a word of prayer and then we'll get on into the message tonight. Father, I pray that as we delve into your word now, I pray thy spirit would speak to hearts. Do the work that only you can do, Lord. Glorify your name, but edify the saints. Strengthen the body of Christ here. And we would ask this in that name above every name, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Now, as we were mentioning this morning, and Paul basically saying here, I'm going to glory in myself. And, and we are talking about this morning about it's all for Jesus, being a part of the unashamed. I think of, and, and those false prophets, those preachers that lead people in other directions, into false doctrine, so many other things. And Proverbs 28.10 says, Whoso causeth the righteous to go astray in an evil way shall fall himself into his own pit. Yeah, you can get uh, people going into all kinds of things. Say there, you know, there are marketers that make a lot of money by these things that we do in the churches today, whether it's the, uh, what they call a praise team up there, hitting the drums, rock, rock and roll, and dancing and doing all kinds of things. Uh, whether it's that group or whatever, there's people making money off it besides the church. There's people making money off it that, uh, our marketers and tell them how to do it. That's not spirit-led. That's not of the Holy Spirit. You see, preachers need to heed this warning, especially those in the contemporary and Calvinistic movements of the verse. Because he says in the rest of the verse, but the upright shall have all things in possession. So therefore, Stay true to the word regardless of which way the society is tending. With everything we read about the Apostle Paul so far here in 2 Corinthians and in chapter 11, it makes us wonder why he would stick with the daily circumstances he had, even his own people, fellow Christians, opposing him. I mean, he has that going on, people saying things about him. I like what one politician said years ago. He said, if my opponents will quit lying about me, I, I won't, I'll promise I won't tell the truth about them. I thought about using that a few times, okay? But uh, uh, when we go on thinking about it, he says here in verses 7 through 10 of our text, chapter 12, and lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that were given to me, he just saw paradise. He heard things up there that were tremendous. 
What a thing for him to actually literally experience. You and I don't experience it in this flesh, not until we actually leave this body. But he experienced it. I, I, my own personal opinions, he, ex, he experienced it when he was stoned and he was left for dead. And I believe that his spirit did. But that's just my opinion, okay? Take it for what it's worth. <laughs> it's not worth but a quarter. It's not worth that. Okay, but nonetheless, he says, And lest I should be exalted above measure, through the abundance of the revelations that were given unto me, a thorn in the flesh. Some people say that thorn in the flesh was his eyesight. Some say it was other things. But the Bible says, the messenger of Satan to buffet me. That was a devil or a demon. That was his thorn in the flesh. He may have used physical infirmity as, as a devil when he was allowed to do these things to Job, put boils all over his body. And so, he goes on to say, lest I should be exalted above measure for this thing, this thing, the Apostle Paul, who has suffered all these things that we read about in, verses, uh, in chapter 11, verses 23 through 32, all those things that he suffered, all those things that he's been through, he said, I besought the Lord thrice that it might depart from me. Guess what? I believe the Lord answers him, and he does. We're told his answer. <laughs> you and I would say his answer was no, but it actually it's more than that. He says, and he, that is the Lord, said unto me, my grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. Listen, I've heard people actually tell me, I mean, people just say, man, I've been serving the Lord, I've been doing this, doing that, and why is this happening to me? Like God was unjust that these things happened in his life. Sometimes I've seen it with, with children who go astray and, or a spouse who goes astray or some other thing, some other disease or sickness that hits the family, devastates the family. The Lord didn't abandon you. He gave you an opportunity to show the power of God in the midst of your trial and your tribulation. So he says, therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities in persecutions in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. What happened? He prayed through. He kept the faith. No matter what, he was going through that darkness. He prayed. And he prayed. And he prayed. No wonder the Lord gave him the verse. 
to write for us and breathed out those words to him. Pray without ceasing. The problem wasn't going to go away. But if people stay true to God, the power will be there to bear it. And to see some great victories. He prayed through it all. The infirmity, a messenger of Satan. Now, is Paul saved? Yes, he's saved. Paul's a saved man. So, people may ask the question, can a devil, a demon, indwell or fill a saved man? And we often say, well, no, no, he can't do that. Uh, do you realize that Job also was turned over to the devil? And the devil, besides killing all of his kids and taking all of his riches and wealth away from him, besides all of that, his body was filled with painful boils, head to toe. To do that to his body, he had to somehow affect his bloodstream and do, do things like that to him. You say, then is that a contradiction about a body, about the devil not being able to indwell a Christian? Oh, no. We've told you many times, you are a spirit with a soul and a body. But the devil cannot indwell that new nature. He cannot indwell that spirit. But he can do things inside your body. How many have had temptations that started right here? Your thought life. Your eyes beheld something. The lust of the flesh were stirred. And on we could go. And it just began to grow and you lost. And yet here you are, you're a saved person. And you see, Satan he can attack the mind. He can attack through the eye gate. That's why you never stop walking with God. That's why you never abandon the Word of God on a daily basis. That is why you never abandon prayer. Again, you receive Christ, you have that new nature, and the Holy Spirit is indwelling you. If you're saved tonight, you've got the very Holy Spirit of God indwelling you. But let me tell you what. The devil still try to tempt you. And you can grieve that Holy Spirit. You can quench that Holy Spirit in you. Although he'll always remain. But if we'll walk in the Spirit, instead of giving in to the lust of the flesh, and all of his desires, we'll have strength. Even in the midst of the greatest attacks against us ever in our lifetime is Job and Paul. We will have strength. And you'll find out, as we mentioned this morning, Romans 8, 28. We know. What is it we know? That all things work together for good to those who love God. And are they called according to his purpose? Oh, listen. 
stay true. God knows that thing that's in your life. He's not the person that we call on, well, remove it. It's bothering me now. Go ahead and remove it. No. He wants to strengthen you by it to make you a fit vessel, not only for his service now, but for ruling and reigning with him in eternity. And you see, as we stay true, that's the difference between being ashamed and having confidence at his appearing. God allowed the, uh, the circumstances, and they may seem bad, but he allows it for our good. So what is our responsibility? Finish the job. Finish the course that God has given us. That is what we do. That is God's word. But the question comes down is to, do we believe God's word? Well, yeah, I believe that's true. You finish the course, yeah, you do it, you don't quit. No, that, that's a statement of belief. Real belief is faith, and faith in the midst of that trial and trouble endures. Many times, whether you're a preacher, newly saved, the trial of our faith is the very thing that is there to strengthen us. You guys that lift weights, you don't lift weights. You don't get sore as much. You don't have that sweaty, smelly smell so much. You don't get so wore out that as soon as you're done, you go home, you've got to hit the side, got to get a shower and collapse for a little bit. But you also don't get the benefit if you don't work out. There's a benefit for enduring for the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Those preachers and others who lead Christians away from the fundamental preaching and teaching to the fleshly ways of this world, just remember, just remember this. You may get them to a false doctrine such as Calvinism, or you may get them to say, you know, those, those, those fundamentalists are a bunch of legalists. They have all these standards. I don't smoke, I don't drink, I don't chew, I don't go with girls that do, okay? We have those standards. And people call us legalists. And they say, hey, we can have the rock and roll music in our church for the glory of God. I hope they don't say it that way because that's blaspheming on the very person of our Lord. But just remember this. That person that's saved, that preacher, that Christian that's leading others in those other directions away from the house of God that's preaching the word of God. Let me read from 1 Corinthians 4 and verse 5 what you're headed to. You're saved. He says, Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord come who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness. 
Is darkness related to what is good? No, it's related to sin. The hidden things of darkness. Wow. And make manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have praise of God. <laughs> How can you praise God when he reveals all these darknesses that are unconfessed and unforsaken in your life and all these things in your heart that are there, the counsels of your heart that are wrong, that are evil, and how you got so excited that you were able to get people to leave that church. You're so excited how you got people to do this and how you got people to turn from that doctrine, how you got people to turn from this and that. And the more you're excited about that, you think, that's great, I've done something good. The devil has you deceived to thinking that is a good thing when it's evil. But when these things shall be revealed, 1 Corinthians 4 5, when is that? That's when we're before the Lord, the judgment seat of Christ. That's why it says some will be ashamed at his appearing. You think you may have it hid now, but it won't be hid forever. That's why you try to make things right right now. You, you've done drugs with somebody, you've done all kinds of sin against people. Go back and do it right. Make it right. Go into heaven with confidence, not being ashamed at his appearing. Saved so as by fire. You're saved now. But make sure you turn to the holy faith of God's word. You know, I hear people say, oh, and I've said it myself, oh, I wish the rapture were today. You realize, just like the person that dies in a sin and goes to hell, one second's too late. But whether we die as Christians or the rapture takes place today, that very moment, it's too late to get things right. Too late. Are you aware of the great shame at the too lateness to do anything about it? See, people don't want to suffer for the cause of Christ today. I, I just don't want to suffer for that. Let's think here about Paul, the apostle that we've been looking at here this morning, this afternoon. Do you think Paul knew what was facing him? Do you think he knew? In Acts chapter 9, verses 10 through 18, this is after Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus. His name is still Saul. It won't be changed until Acts chapter 13 when he's on the first missionary ministry. And there we read, and there was a certain disciple at Damascus in, back here in chapter 9, named Ananias. And to him said the Lord in a vision, Ananias. And he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise, go to the street which is called Straight, 
and inquire in the house of Judas for one called Saul of Tarsus. Behold, he prayeth. And, verse 12, hath seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. And Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard many things of this man. I tell you, the churches of that day, news travels fast. This guy's coming to town. He's going to either kill you. He's going to drag you off to prison. He's going to take everything you own. Nothing good. So he says, I've heard many things of this man. How much evil he hath done to the saints at Jerusalem. And here he hath authority from the chief priest to bind all that call on thy name. That's a true, that was a true testimony. That's all that's happened. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles. <laughs> Paul, being a part of the Sanhedrin, Paul, being a Pharisee, hated Gentiles. And God, to show you what a complete work he does when he saves a soul and they give their soul and life completely to him, he changes them. He's a missionary to the Gentiles. Oh, what God can do. He's a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Look, Saul knew before this man comes to heal him that it was revealed about the great things he would suffer. Even before Ananias lays his hand that he might receive his vision again, uh, he, he's been told by God all these great things that are going to happen, these terrible persecutions, all of that. But on that road, who art thou, Lord? I am Jesus whom thou persecutest. That light shining from heaven, I can see Paul there just thinking in his mind, uh-oh, boy, have I done it now? Am I in trouble? He knows he deserves that lightning to strike from heaven and take him out of here, but instead, as Noah, he finds grace in the sight of the Lord. You know what? Anybody we go to witness to, no matter how, what the depths are of the life, they can find grace in the eyes of the Lord, and we can have the privilege of introducing them to that. What a great thing that is. Circumstances did not keep him from finishing that course. And it says, And Ananias went his way and entered to the house and putting his hands on him said I like this brother Saul all he's heard about Saul is evil, terrible, he's out to kill us but God said he got saved you know there's some people uh, somebody comes to church and they hear their name or 
they join the church, they hear their name, and they'll, boy, they'll get on the internet right away. If they can find dirt on them, before the evening service, that's spread everywhere. And they think they're being spiritual. <laughs> no, they're being a tool of the devil to do that, by the way. But they may be so deceived by the devil, they think that they're doing good. They're not. And I said to the Lord, this is, I've heard all this. The Lord says, well, I've done something about it. That guy's saved now. Now he needs you. He believed God, and he does not hold Saul's past against him. And he says, the Lord, even Jesus, that appeared to you in the way, as thou camest, has sent me that thou mightest receive thy sight and be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately there fell from his eyes as had been scales, and he received sight forthwith and rose and was baptized. And by the way, he got baptized right away. He didn't go through a baptism class and wait six months. He got baptized. That's the first thing you do after salvation. You have to question Jesus, why should I get baptized? No, you don't have to question him about it at all. He said, do it, just do it. Do it. Now think about this. And nice believe God. What Saul needs now is somebody that's going to take him under their wing and help them to grow in the Lord. Teach them how to walk in the way of righteousness. And by the way, that's part of the Great Commission. Not only get them saved and baptized, but then to teach them to observe all that he has commanded us. But why would we stand? What's the purpose that's worth it all? Well, we're living in the pre-day right now before judgment begins at the house of God. And God wants men and women who will stand true and holy because that's the only hope that we have for our homes, for our country, for our churches. That's why you take 2 Timothy 3, Verse 12, yea, then all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. That's not enough. But evil men and seducers, seducers that get into church and to lead you into the wrong ways, and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. People that are that way belong to their father, that is the father of deceits. His name is Satan. So let's see the reason. What is the reason? It involves having eternity set in your heart. Now folks, having eternity set, set in your heart means I'm looking forward to what's coming. But when you read 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 7, he says the time will come. And he's not speaking about unsaved people. He's talking about the church. He's talking about 
Believers, time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure preachers preaching that Jesus Christ is the only way of salvation. Now, you got people today that preach tolerance. They preach tolerance until it's dominant, then it then it tries silence is golden for us who still stand on the word. You see, I can tell you on the authority of God's word, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life, and no man comes unto the Father but by me. It's not going to go through Allah. It's not going to go through Mary. It's not going to go through anybody else. It's not going to go through this pastor. It's not going to go through this church. It's only going to go through Jesus Christ. That's the only way you go to heaven. Devil gets his people in churches and everywhere else of society to try to silence that. See, when these people, we've, you've heard a lot in this uh, election campaign about our First Amendment right. And there are those that have come out instead of saying freedom of religion, they say freedom of worship. Well, you say in the four walls is okay, but don't take it outside there. Well, that eliminates the free exercise thereof. Uh, but don't wait there because they've already had court cases across this land now. Fortunately, we've won. Let's say, oh, he preached against homosexuality. I heard a preacher recently say there are over 51 genders that have been identified now. I, I like what I heard Brother John Hamlin say at the S.W.O.R.D. conference. He said, if I had a dollar for every gender God made, I'd have two dollars. <laughs> and that's it. Well, we don't want to offend them. President of the Southern Baptist Convention. Listen, there was a day you go into a Southern Baptist church, you're going to hear about sin. They had standards. They preached against uh, anything that was wrong. They preached for everything that was right. They preached the way of salvation. You can go into Southern Baptist church and hear that. Now you're president of the Southern Baptist Convention. Wants us to recognize Homosexual marriages. Because we're so tolerant. But he attacks viciously. Fundamentalists. He even attacked the sword of the Lord. Grew up in Bobby Robertson's church. Imagine that. Grew up in that church, a fundamental church. And he attacks those things. And what, am I, what am I saying about that? I'm just saying this. I don't know how he got there, but he didn't get that way through the Scripture. He did not get that way through the Word of God. It's time to quit justifying our flesh and begin to walk in the Spirit. That's what Christians do that are going to be unashamed and a part of that group that is unashamed at his appearing. That is our call. But people won't like me.
God will always love you, but sometimes he won't like you. We'd rather people like you instead of God. Well, I'm one of his children. He's got to like me. But usually we're talking about liking as being approving. He's not going to approve it. He's not going to approve it. Now, here's a guy, Paul, that had the messenger of Satan that buffeted him. And he asked three times, Lord, take us from me, please. I've been true to you. I've been whipped. 39 stripes, five different times. I've had beaten with rods. I've been denied today in the deep. I've had all of these other things happen to me. But this messenger of Satan is the worst. God says, my grace is still sufficient. My strength is still made perfect in weakness. Paul, I don't want you to be exalted above measure. I don't want you to get to the point thinking, boy, look at me, I'm the best Christian in the New Testament church. You know, these things wouldn't have gotten done if it wasn't for me. All of a sudden, we're robbing glory that belongs to God. If this church remains fundamental, it's not going to be because of Andy Bloom. It's going to be because God spoke to your heart and you obeyed him. That's the bottom line. Be faithful. Be faithful. Be faithful. Don't quit. Know the will of God specifically for your life so that you can say at the end, I have finished my course. You don't want to come to the end of life and your spirit passed from this body to be with the Lord or were raptured. And you didn't even know what that course was. God had a specific will for your life and you didn't seek to do it didn't seek to fulfill it. I don't know how many years I have left. I, I could live another 30 years. I could go in the next day. And that's true for all of you. But what I want you to understand is this. If I'm still here and I'm still breathing, God's got something for me to do. God's got something for you to do. Where do you work? Maybe you're there because God wants you to be the light in that place. If I be the light that God wants me to be, they'll fire me. That's fine. You believe that he's not Jehovah Jireh, that the Lord will provide? He'll provide. He'll just take you to a new job. That's why you always try to be the best worker on the job. Work the hardest. Work the best. Go the extra mile. Well, they're not paying me for the extra mile. Go the extra mile. What God pays is far better than what they pay. Go the extra mile, and you'll find that God will reward that. They let you go, go to another job. They let you go, go to another job. But the bottom line is this. God's got a purpose for your life. 
He's got a specific will for your life. Question I've got to ask myself, am I doing it? Am I doing it God's way? Can I justify it by God's word instead of my reasoning? You see, a lot of the thing about this faith that we're talking about is that we've got to believe that for ourselves. How can we expect people to get saved and for this country to have revival if I'm not willing to walk with God as I know I should walk with God and live in obedience to Him? I'm not putting my faith on whoever gets elected. Not putting my faith on who sits on the Supreme Court. Let's just trust that God's will, God's way is always right. Always, always, always right. And you stay in that position and you do that, you will not be ashamed at His appearing. So let me ask you, can you say beyond any shadow of the doubt, I'm living in obedience to the Lord and I know exactly what He'd have me to do and I'm doing it now. I see people quit. Sometimes they quit Christian ministries. I, I just don't want to do that anymore. It's not the question. You want to do it still. Is it what God wants you to do still, or does He want you to go somewhere else? Sometimes God gets blamed for a lot that He doesn't do. God told me to leave, and God told me to go here, and God just told me that I need to quit. Uh, he didn't tell you where to go, He just told you to quit. I doubt that, but sometimes I think maybe it's true. God wanted to get them out of our hair. <laughs> I don't know. But what I'm saying is, is this. Stay true. Finish the course. Pray through it all. Keep the faith. Sound doctrine, that is, living by it. That's keeping the faith. Directed by the Word and Spirit of God. That's keeping the faith. And temptations come, but if it is like Paul and like Job, and it's the devil himself. God has trusted you with it because he knows that your attitude is the same as Job. Though he slay me, yet will I trust in him. That's the attitude. That's the life. That's what your inner person needs to be because you have eternity set in your heart. Let's bow our heads, please.